Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin, where I started out looking at every Prime Minister in Canadian history, and we're right in the middle of every opposition leader who never became Prime Minister, but we took a break from that, because an election was called. So right now I'm doing 36 election episodes in a row, to coincide with our 36 day election period. If you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. Canadian History X, which releases every Wednesday and Saturday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. I do all of these full time. The writing, the research, everything. I do it every day, all day. And it's a lot of work. So, any dollars you give help keep it all going, and I'll make sure to thank you on the air and throughout my social media. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. After Stephen Harper was able to obtain a majority government in 2011, it would mean that Canada would get several years before another election was called. During that time, the major parties would go through some major changes in leadership. While the Conservatives were still led by Stephen Harper, the new Democratic Party would be left reeling following its greatest triumph when Jack Layton passed away only months after the 2011 election. During the 2012 leadership election, Thomas Mulcair would be selected as the new leader of the party on the fourth ballot. Formerly a provincial member of the National Assembly of Quebec, the hope was that Mulcair would help the NDP retain its hold in Quebec after the Orange Crush of 2011. The Bloc Québécois would go through several leadership changes over the course of the four years from 2011 to 2015. After losing its official party status in the House of Commons after the collapse of support in Quebec, Gilles Duceppe would resign as leader of the party. The party would then go through several different leaders over the course of the next two years, but then in 2015, Gilles Duceppe was again party leader but not party president. It would be Duceppe who would once again serve as leader of the party during the election, as he did in 1997, 2000, 2004, 2006, 2008, and 2011. Possibly the biggest change was the resignation of Michael Ignatieff, who was replaced by Justin Trudeau, the son of former Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau. Trudeau was seen as a fresh face for the party, and expectations were that he would help the party recover from its worst election result in its history. The election would see a major increase in the number of seats in the House of Commons thanks to the Fair Representation Act. The seats would increase to 338 from 303, making a majority government more difficult as well. Alberta and British Columbia would gain 6 seats, while Quebec gained 3 and Ontario gained 15. The writ of the election was dropped on August 4th, and for the next 11 weeks, the longest election period in Canadian history, Canada would be going through an election. Due to the extended election, which got underway a full month earlier than expected, Elections Canada was forced to plan and deploy its field operations quickly. Returning officers had to negotiate new leases for the election period, with 107 having to find new office locations. Despite this complication, 95% of returning offices were open within 8 days of the writ being dropped, and the last one opened on August 18th. The election would feature 1,792 candidates vying for 338 seats in the House of Commons. Only the NDP, the Liberals, and the Conservatives would run a candidate in every riding, and the Green Party would run candidates in 336 ridings across Canada. Several issues would dominate the campaign, including the economy and climate change, but the issue over the NECA became one that would heavily influence the election. 
Harvard insisted on a ban on the garment at citizenship ceremonies, which the Federal Court of Canada found was unlawful, as did the Federal Court of Appeal. In 2013, the proposed Quebec Values Charter would have prohibited Quebec's public sector workers from wearing conspicuous religious items. The Conservatives attacked the party over it, but by 2015 had appeared to adopt the same stance of banning public servants from wearing the niqab. The Federal Court of Appeal's decision on the matter would come in the middle of the election campaign, which ignited the debate and brought it to the forefront of the campaign. The Liberals, NDP and Green, would go against the Conservatives on the matter, while the Bloc Quebecois would support the Conservatives. Initial polls also showed that most Canadians supported the ban on the niqab at citizenship ceremonies. Thomas Mulcair would attack Harper over the issue during the election, stating, quote, Mr. Harper, there are more anti-choice men in your cabinet than women who wear the niqab in Quebec. Mr. Harper, you are playing a dangerous game of the kind I've never seen in my life and I never thought I'd see a Prime Minister play it, end quote. Due to his stance, Mulcair would see the NDP support in Quebec nosedive in the second half of the campaign. Mulcair would also prove to be unpopular with NDP supporters, who only 42% of which stated they would want to have a beer or coffee with him. Harper would state, quote, Quebec, as you know, has legislation on this. We're looking at that legislation. But as I say, we're a society of openness and of equality, and that is what we want to promote. It's not by any means the biggest issue for the campaign. The biggest issue is the economy, but I think our position here is widely understood and supported." Stephen Harper says Canadians stand with the Conservatives when it comes to his party's move to ban the niqab at Canadian citizenship ceremonies. And he says the only reason it's become an issue in this election is because the other main party leaders are offside. Harper made the comments during an interview with Power & Politics host Rosemary Barton today. And Rosie, another hint that a re-elected Conservative government might move things a little further. Yeah, just a reminder why we're talking about this again. There was a federal court decision yesterday saying to the government that it could not get a stay to prevent this particular woman, Zunera Ishak, from uh, having a citizenship ceremony while wearing her niqab. So we went back to this issue of the niqab to Stephen Harper today and said, okay, what are the limits that a government can put on this? How far can a government go in saying, here's what you can do and here's what you can wear? And here's what Stephen Harper told me. But a public, sec- a public service worker, for instance, in the civil service, uh, someone who has a public position, should they be allowed to? Well, that's, that's a matter we're going to examine. Quebec, as you know, has legislation on this, and we're looking at that legislation. Um, but as I say, we're a society of openness and of equality, and this is what uh, we want to promote. Now, this is something that the Conservatives have floated in the past, but here we have the Conservative leader saying in the middle of an election, and also saying at a time when in the past week or so, we've seen two attacks on women wearing a niqab and a hijab, both veils, and both of them saying that they believe they were anti-Muslim attacks. So again, I asked him, do you think that this conversation is fueling an anti-Muslim sentiment? What do you say to these people who are doing this to these men, or, or who may be interpreting falsely, may perhaps, but what is happening during the election campaign as some sort of anti-Muslim feeling that is out there. Look, I don't, I don't think you can use that kind of thing to discredit legitimate political debate. Violence uh, against women is unacceptable, which is why our government's brought forward laws to crack down on such violence. Now, interestingly enough, at roughly the same time you were doing that interview with Stephen Harper, Chris Hall from CBC Radio was doing it for his program, The House, an interview with Justin Trudeau, he also was talking about the niqab, both of them unaware of what yeah. each other was saying. Here's what he had to say. 
to the Prime Minister directly, stop this before someone truly gets hurt. We've had women attacked in the streets for wearing hijabs and niqabs. This is not Canada, and the kind of leadership and divisive politics that he's playing is dangerous and irresponsible. Listen, no, none of these leaders want the niqab to be a ballot box question, but here we are two weeks out, and we are still talking about this issue. Right. Rosie, thanks very much. Thanks. The anti-Muslim aspect of the Conservative campaign took many by surprise. Several candidates warned of Syrian refugees coming to Canada, while the Conservative candidate, Joe Daniel, stated that there were sinister forces exploited in the crisis in Syria to export Islam to, and therefore transform, Western society. MP Larry Miller stated that some Muslim women should, quote, stay the hell where you came from, end quote. The Conservatives also pledged to create a barbaric cultural practices tip line, which many critics stated was the party engaging in identity politics and helping to fuel anti-Muslim attitudes in Quebec. A re-elected Conservative government will also commit to establishing an RCMP tip line so that citizens and victims can call with information about incidents of barbaric cultural practices here in Canada, or to notify authorities that a child or a woman is at risk of being victimized. We will also create an integrated RCMP in, in Canada's major cities, Toronto, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Calgary, and Montreal, to enforce changes made to Canada's laws under the, the new Zero Tolerance for Barbaric Cultural Practices Act and to support victims. This is in addition to the new $8 million in funding to establish the RCMP's anti-human trafficking teams in these same cities. And further to that, our investment of $20 million to renew human trafficking action plan for an additional five years. Some incidents would show why the issue was something the Conservatives were going behind, believing it would be a path to victory. Steve Shanahan, a Conservative candidate in Montreal, attempted to order campaign posters, but a screw-up resulted in them arriving right before the election. So he asked the party to send him the most popular handout. He soon received 10,000 flyers championing the government's effort to ban the niqab from citizenship ceremonies. He would say, quote, We as a group allowed the niqab issue to become a distraction. I think it was the right policy, but it wasn't the policy. We had so much more that was interesting, but I think by the applause meter that we heard, we just kept talking about it. End quote. Following Harper's campaign appearance with Rob and Doug Ford, a poll found that this did the party more harm than good. It was discovered that about 10 times as many potential Conservative voters were now less likely, 49%, than more likely, 6.4%, to vote Conservative because of the appearance. Gray Lyle, the owner of the poll company, would state, quote, It's hard to see a more self-destructive move by the campaign. End quote. Other issues for voters that turned them away from Conservatives, according to the polls, was the trial of Conservative Senator Mike Duffy at 30%, the negative ads by the party at 26%, and the anti-Nakab stance at 23%. In past years, leadership debates during an election campaign consisted of one in English and one in French. This election, things would change a bit. In May 2015, the Conservatives stated they would not participate in the consortium debates and would instead take part in up to five independently staged debates. The NDP stated they would accept every debate where Harper was present, while Trudeau would attend the McLean's debate, Globe and Mail debate, and the French debate. In all, there would be five televised debates. In the general debate on August 6, Harper, Elizabeth May, Mulcair, and Trudeau attended, 
while the economy debate on September 17th was only attended by Harper, Mulcair, and Trudeau. The French debate on September 24th was attended by Duceppe, Harper, May, Mulcair, and Trudeau, and this would be the only debate in which all five party leaders would attend. The foreign language debate on September 28th was attended by Harper, Mulcair, and Trudeau, and it was a bilingual debate. The final debate was held on October 2nd and was a general debate in which Duceppe, Harper, and Mulcair attended. We have not only a balanced budget, we have the lowest debt levels in the G7 by a country mile. Honestly, Mr. Harper, we really can't afford another four years we have of a, you. We have a ba- I don't really think that he's got a good track record on spotting when this country is in a recession. We're in a recession now. We have a weak and shaking economy, and it's the wrong time for austerity measures. We are the first government in history to reduce greenhouse gas emissions while also growing our economy. That's not true. And how have we done that? We do that through a sector-by-sector regulatory approach where we, where we regulate absolute reductions in emissions. We do so in ways that we know will not kill jobs and will not burden taxpayers. The alternative presented by all of these other parties. A moment ago, they talked about landmark decisions by the Obama administration in the United States. They're pushing ahead with with national regulations of coal-fired electricity. We did that in Canada three no, years Mulcair, ago across Mr. Harper, you did not do that. We did that it was in the Ontario with the provinces in Ontario, to do in that, Alberta, and you in Saskatchewan, in Nova Scotia. Every turn. And that's why the reason we that have the cleanest Harper, electricity sector in the world and are, fi- and are facing out coal-fired electricity before anyone. Unfortunately, Mr. Harper, uh, as we well seen, uh, hasn't seen a war he hasn't wanted to get involved in. Two of your opponents have said you, you haven't seen a war that you don't like. What do, what do you make of that? Well, I, I don't think this government has actually gotten involved in very many military actions, but we are certainly involved in one now against, the, against ISIS, the so-called Islamic in Iraq and Syria. And the only two people I know in Canada who are anxious to start talking about separatism again are Justin Trudeau and Gilles Duceppe. Mr. Trudeau has an obligation, if he wants to talk of this subject, to come clean with Canadians. What's his number? What is your number, Mr. Trudeau? First of all, Mr. Mulcair, I don't You're not question. Answering. I don't question your patriotism. You have an answer. Uh, the question is, uh, why number, is your policy Justin? so reckless? You want a number, Mr. Yeah, Mulcair? Give I'll give number. you a number. Nine. My number is nine. Nine Supreme Court justices said one vote is not enough to break up this country, and yet that is Mr. Mulcair's position. I was going to say, isn't it ironic that this segment was supposed to be our democratic institutions, starting with clips about how much heckling there is in the House of Commons, how difficult it is to have a civil conversation. We can, as Canadians, it's been our hallmark for generations that we can disagree without being disagreeable. And I would like us to be able to talk about what we do about fixing Parliament, because that's an urgent crisis. And I don't Let's believe that we want to get ourselves mired into any threat of separatism. We do want to get rid of the Senate. Abolition, pure and simple. Mr. Trudeau thinks we need better senators. I think we need only former senators. At the start of the election, the NDP actually led in opinion polls with 32%, followed by the Conservatives at 31%, and the Liberals at 26%. This would be the second Canadian election in which social media also played a major role, but with that extra influence came more damaging revelations from past comments by candidates. Several Conservative candidates were removed from the election due to things discovered on social media. Tim Dutod, a candidate for the party in Toronto, was forced to resign when it was discovered he had made YouTube videos of himself pretending to orgasm on the phone with female customer service representatives and mocking people with mental disabilities. 
Blair Dale was removed from his candidacy when it was found that he made racist and sexist comments online, including stating that abortion should not be an option for irresponsible people. Prime Minister Harper would also be criticized for using the phrase old stock Canadians during a nationally televised debate with Justin Trudeau and Thomas Mulcair. Harper would later claim he was referring to families who had been in Canada for one or more generations after there was a great deal of negative coverage of the comment on Twitter. For the NDP, Alex Johnstone was forced to apologize after comments on a Facebook photo from seven years previous were found in which she stated, Ah, the infamous Polish phallic hydro posts, end quote. And this was on a picture of the Auschwitz concentration camp. The Liberals also had several candidates who had to resign from running following comments made on social media, including Maria Mana, who questioned the events of September 11th, and Cheryl Thomas, who made social media posts calling mosques brainwashing stations and that the oppressed of the Warsaw ghettos and the concentration camps have become the oppressors. One thing that surprised many voters was when hockey icon Wayne Gretzky appeared at a campaign event with Stephen Harper. Gretzky would later say that he did it as a favor and that he would do it for any Prime Minister. He would state, quote, In 1981, I did a luncheon for Prime Minister Trudeau. In 1986, Mr. Mulroney and Myla asked me to host an event for a charity of their choice, which I did. When Mr. Harper reached out to me and asked me to do a Q&A with him, it's simple. I can't vote in this country, but when the Prime Minister of Canada calls you, you say, okay, I'll do the favor for you, end quote. By the day of the election, the Liberals had seen their popularity surge to 39.5%, while the NDP had experienced a crash in support to 19.7%. The Conservatives polled at 31.9%. In terms of who would make the best Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau polled at 74% among Liberal voters, while Stephen Harper polled at 86% among Conservative voters, and Thomas Mulcair polled at 63% among NDP voters. In the October 19, 2015 election, the Liberals and Justin Trudeau reclaimed the leadership of the country with a huge increase of seats. The party picked up 148 seats, the largest ever numerical increase by a party in a Canadian election. This also made the Liberals the first federal party in Canadian history to win a majority of seats without having been the official opposition or the governing party after the previous election. The total of 184 seats was the second highest in the history of the Liberal Party, behind only the 191 won in 1949. Upon his victory, Trudeau would state, quote, This is what positive politics can do. I didn't make history tonight, you did. We beat fear with hope. We beat cynicism with hard work. We beat negative, divisive politics with a positive vision that brings Canadians together. End quote. Canadians! Canadians from all across this great country sent a clear message tonight it's time for a change in this country, my friends. A real change. Canadians have spoken. You want a government with a vision and an agenda for this country that is positive and ambitious and hopeful. Well, my friends, I promise you tonight that I will lead that government. I will make that vision a reality. I will be that Prime Minister. The Conservatives would lose 60 seats to fall to 99, becoming the official opposition after leading the country for the previous nine years. 
Hours after the election loss, Harper would announce that he was resigning as leader of the Conservative Party and would remain as a backbencher in Parliament. Harper would state, quote, We put everything on the table. We gave everything we had to give and we have no regrets. The people of Canada have elected a Liberal government, which we accept without hesitation. End quote. Lorraine and I entered public life because we believe that hurricane Canadians should keep more of the money they earn. Because, because, friends, we believe that in a dangerous world, Canada must, without apology, advance our values, defend our interests, and stand by our friends. During the past nine and a half years, it has been an unbelievable honour to serve as your Prime Minister. And it has been a great experience to again meet Canadians from coast to coast to coast during the last two and a half months of this campaign. Well, tonight's result is certainly not the one we had hoped for. The people are never wrong. There are so many people who deserve credit for the work that goes into a national campaign. And at the top of that list, of course, are my family, Lorreen, Ben, and Rachel. I, I love you more than you can imagine. And I have depended on you a great deal, not just in these past 79 days, but for a long time before that. I hope you will always know that without you, none of this would be possible, but with you, everything is. Thank you. For all of those who have, over the past decade and a half, built our party and contributed to our campaign, you have our deepest gratitude and you should feel nothing but pride. Know also this as well, the disappointment you also feel is my responsibility and mine alone. Thank you again, friends, all of you, for all your support, for all you have done for our country. Merci beaucoup. God bless all of you. God bless Canada. One Conservative voter would state, quote, I believe his campaign was extremely ill-run. He made no effort to tout his good policies, and he made too much an issue about divisive things such as the Niqab, end quote. In the election loss, the Conservatives will lose an astounding 13 cabinet ministers. The NDP will lose 51 seats, ending in the hopes of another orange wave. The party would finish with 44 seats to become the third party in the House of Commons. Mulcair would state, quote, From the very outset of this election has been about change. Tonight, Canadians have turned a page and rejected the politics of fear and division. End quote. The bloc would rebound slightly, picking up 8 seats to finish with 10, while the Greens lost one seat to finish with one. Doucette would lose his seat in the election, marking his final federal election after leading the Bloc Quebecois for 15 total years, longer than anyone else in the party's history. British Columbia would split seats between the Liberals, Conservatives, and NDP. In Alberta, Liberals were able to pick up four seats, while the Conservatives still had 29. The Conservatives would also win 10 of 14 seats in Saskatchewan. In Ontario, the Liberals won 80 seats, while the Conservatives had 33 and the NDP had 8. In Quebec, the Liberals were able to erode the support of the NDP, picking up 40 seats, while the NDP had 16, the Conservatives 12, and the Bloc Québécois had 10. In the Maritimes, the Liberals would sweep the entire region, winning every seat in New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and Newfoundland. Voter turnout also surged to its highest level since 1993, when turnout reached 68.3%. The number of Canadians voting rose by 2.8 million to 17.6 million over 2011, but the Conservative share of those votes fell by 7.7%, or 231,000 votes. On that same note, the Liberals picked up 6.9 million votes in the election, up an astounding 4.1 million over 2011. 
Student votes overwhelmingly went towards the Liberals at 37.6%, compared to 26% for the Conservatives and 19% for the NDP. Voter turnout among Muslim voters was extremely high at 80%, even reaching 88% in urban Toronto ridings. As for why Canadians decided to switch governments so overwhelmingly, one Conservative who did get re-elected summed it up as, quote, Fundamentally, the problem was this. After basically 10 years in office, people were tired. Some of it was just ordinary, time for a change, and some of it was that people were unhappy, and they directed that very personally at the Prime Minister. To a certain degree, we built that brand, and that brand, in the end, swallowed us. End quote. By the time the 2019 election would come about, every major party except the Liberals and Greens would be led by new people, and the election would turn out to be one of the most interesting and contentious ones in Canadian history. I hope you enjoyed that look at the 2015 election. Tomorrow, our last episode in this series, the 2019 election. Thank you everyone who's been enjoying this, who's been emailing me, telling me they've been enjoying it. I really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who's donated or become a patron because of this series. I do this full time, so your support means the world to me. And thank you so much for coming along on this series. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Again, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. And I'd like to say thank you to all of my wonderful patrons. And if I mispronounce any names, I do apologize. Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rois, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Information from CNN, Maclean's Wikipedia, CBC, Canadian Encyclopedia, The Guardian, and Global News. Thanks. See you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.